0: Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted. This is episode 801. I'm Kevin Coulson.
1: I'm George Conger. Today's May 2nd, 2023.
0: All right. You saw two guys on your Facebook page or your YouTube channel, or you got the subscription update from YouTube and you want to hear what's going on in the anglican world you're this is the perfect spot for it georgia didn't gotta tell you that because that's what we like to do uh we spend the week looking through the internet and through facebook and through information we get from other people and we put together a program i think we have six or seven wonderful topics and in order to help us do this every week i i ask you just very few things i ask you to like the program because that tells youtube and facebook this is something interesting that you like and Sadly, YouTube and Facebook already knows everything about you, so they'll give you common likes by liking us. We appreciate that very much. Uh, And I really want to emphasize that this show continues in the comments. Please go to the comment section and tell us your ideas and your thoughts about the topics we're talking about. Um, And the show really doesn't end until you stop commenting. So please go there. And if you can, please share this program with family friend info because that helps spread the information and it's free advertising for george and i george how you doing this week you're back from gafcon you look a little bit more rested what's up
1: i'm not that much more rested <laughs> when i was at gafcon i i had a sense of being at the center of all things anglican it was a wonderful time i did have a conversation though one day on a bus trip with the bishop Michael Steed, the Bishop of South Sydney. And one of the things he said to me was that he envied me my being a parish priest because of the real life that I lead in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I thought he was just being polite. And then I came back here and I know exactly what he meant. I've had uh, three deaths. Uh, I've got a funeral. I had a wedding. I've got uh, three women told me this week that they and their husbands are going to have babies this summer. And the joys and the sadness, the pain and the sorrow, the excitement that comes in life and community in Jesus Christ really is lived at the parish. As much as GAFCON is exciting and is important, and it was, and it is, there's nothing that beats the parish, being in fellowship with your friends and neighbors who are Christian.
0: Such a time as this. I mean, you come home from GAFCON and you're going back into that fight, into that world. Where people don't understand what it means to be human anymore, what sex is anymore, that, you know what, you know how to to converse and transverse through life. Uh, it's a very confused time, uh, not helped by the internet, not helped by uh, society, not helped by the Western culture, uh, not helped by the current paganism that's going on. And so, you know, we are in, in an incredible time in the church. This is a time where we have to be the loudest voice in a screaming match. We have to be the sound and reasoned approach to what's happening around us because we have people who are mutilating themselves with, with, with surgical devices because they have identity disorders and dysphoria. They're using all the wrong tools to treat themselves and society's okay with that. So uh, now is you the time, George. You-
1: The Episcopal Church at its last General Convention affirmed a resolution saying children can basically decide if they want to castrate themselves or have female genital mutilation performed on themselves. A three-year-old can make that decision, which of course, anybody who's ever worked with children knows. (laughs) The children, I have seven-year-old, I have a seven-year-old who believes she should be a mermaid. Does that mean (laughs) I should take her down to the docks and get her a fish tail and let her start chopping? I'm being silly, but. Kevin, you're absolutely right. We live in a pagan broken fallen world where wickedness is on the march Mm -hmm. and now we really more than ever need to proclaim what we believe and stand for it and uphold our brothers and sisters in Christ in proclaiming that good news and not just our Anglican ones, our Catholic, our Baptist, the whole gamut, even Presbyterians, but (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're in an ecumenical mess. This, this affects everybody. There's no denomination, no Christian that is uh, unaffected by what's happening in this world. And we need to pray for each other, encourage each other, uh, as it says in the book of Hebrews, gather together uh, and, and be in fellowship, because we need to share stories and successes about how we're dealing with this constant barrage of evil. Uh, the spiritual warfare that happens every time you step outside the door, that happens every time you log on to the uh, computer, that happens every time you make a phone call or a text with family, friends, and, and neighbors. There, there is just this whole disconnect from reality. And people, as I've said so many times, have lost the ability to give Christianity the benefit of the doubt. You know, people who are on the sidelines and who are on the fence about Christianity no longer believe that you are in the best interest of this country, of this nation, uh, of the world. And uh, they'll seek out other uh, avenues. And that's sad. That's really sad because Christians know that we, we have direction to the answer. We, we know the answer. We can pinpoint and point to Christ. And this is this is it. This is the test where we have to do that best. I'm going to not just preach here. I'm going to move on to the news, George. And the, the Church of England has uh, decided they have the answer. And their answer on the topic of singleness, which is a broad topic in the church. If you're Roman Catholic uh, and you want to uh, be a vicar, you're, you're told to be single. If you uh, can't find a spouse. And you want to go through uh, a, a benefit, beneficial life, you take Paul's advice and you, you stop pursuing at some point. Uh, but the Church of England has a whole different idea of what single means, George. It's crazy. Oh,
1: I don't know what it is, but anything Justin Welby puts his hand to turns to fudge. fudge. It doesn't turn to gold. It turns to fudge. They, it's not. It's a, It's a, a. It's the same story. Good idea, dreadfully executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Church of England wanted to look at how ministry to single people, people who are not married, how the church can affirm them, strengthen them, walk with them in their Christian life. So report under the patronage of Welby and Cottrell, the Archbishops of York and Canterbury, along with the Bishop of Durham, Paul Butler, was put out called Love Matters. And what Love Matters does is basically say, it's okay to shack up. The old Christian uh, teaching that Lambeth 110 upholds, which is fidelity and marriage, chastity, celibacy and singleness, that's been tossed out the window. Uh, In its pursuit of diversity of families, blended families, adopted families, but then they go down your know, mommy, you know, Heather has two mommies, Fred has two daddies, three mommies, and a kangaroo. Um, in attempt to be all things to all people, they so water down the Christian teaching on marriage, the Christian teaching on holiness and humanity. It's Christian anthropology, as taught by the Church of England, whether it be on homosexuality, as General Synod did, or in love matters, is asinine. It's dreadful. It's childish. Um, we recently saw the Archbishop of York at his uh, uh, diocesan synod say uh, doctrinal orthodoxy doesn't matter, love matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is a really bad pop song. Uh, I think John Lennon probably wrote it or something. Sure, right?
0: that's the Gospel of John Lennon. Love is all that matters.
1: Love and all this matter. Oh, let's not define it. Let's not. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's not go down that. Oh, well, there are four Greek, you know, words that are uh, nouns that can describe it. It's just a capitulation once again to the spirit of the age. There's nothing particularly Christian about the Church of England report, Love Matters. And in fact, I would uh, just dismiss it out of hand if I were a vicar in the Church of England. It's another thing that comes in the mail that I can toss into the uh, circular filing cabinet, which is an American expression for the waste
0: If in the pursuit of Christ and being a Christian, you find yourself single and you're fulfilled in that, remain single. That's Paul's advice. If you find yourself uh, in, a, in your Christian walk, desiring a spouse and desiring uh, a way to show that passion, I would highly suggest you get married. Uh, would I ever suggest you shack up or just have a uh, person that you live with or uh, to go that route? No, that's, that's, not, that's, not, a, that's not the way forward. That's that's, that's that, a broken relationship and shows your brokenness.
1: Not only on a theological, spiritual level, but also on a sociological level. Mm-hmm. Study after study after study shows that those who live together without marriage are so many, a factor of multiple times, more likely to break apart. The children are more likely to be damaged by this relationship. Children need consistency. They need permanence and Kevin, I've been married thirty-eight years. How many years you've been married? Uh, uh, Thirty. I don't want to say
0: four. I lost count, but married in Long eighty-nine, time. Time. so about 34, 35, something like that. But in the oh. in the mid-thirties, George.
1: <laughs> and, and I am cognizant of the greatest gift the Lord has given me in my lifetime is my spouse, my wife. Mm-hmm. Has it been perfect from day one? Of course not. Have there been difficult times? Have there been difficult years? Of course. Have there been joys? Absolutely, but it's how God has called me to live, and I need to work on it day by day. And if God had not called you marriage and called me to celibacy and singleness, I would need to work just as hard on that as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's like and a marriage. the
1: Church of yeah. England is all o- and the Church of England is offering you the uh, easy solution of, "Hey, ma'am, whatever floats your boat." Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way to perdition. That's the way to hell. Because when you start, um letting your appetites drive your faith, your appetites will lead you into the jaws of Satan.
0: the pursuit of singleness is just as difficult as marriage yeah, if not more so especially in 2023 um, but some people are called the singleness and they, they do a wonderful job and some people who are are priests under uh, Justin Welby read this and say, well, I'm pers- trying to pres- uh, pursue a holy life of singleness, and Justin, you're well, not helping.
1: One of the things I do with our children in the church, uh, the younger kids, when I meet with them and I do the catechisms and stuff, and I tell them, don't have sex till you're married, and don't live with your boyfriend, and don't this and that. Now, I would, if I think about it, the majority of these people, children, many of them live have parents who have not followed that lifestyle. The Church of England would tell me don't embarrass the parents by teaching the children the Christian truths. Set out what God's call is. Now if they fall, is it the end of the world? No it's not, of course not. God can redeem you, renew you, restore you, without all you need to do is repent, but you should still teach what God's truth is, that fornication is a sin. Um." One of the great things about GAFCON and, and uh, uh, Foley Beach's introductory sermon or speech, his presidential address, is he spoke about the mess the Church of England's made about human sexuality, but he then stopped and said, look, if all we do is focus on this one aspect of human sexuality, then we're hypocrites. Yeah. Then we're the whited sepulchers that, that the nasty people want to call us we need to be about faithfulness, we need to be strong against child exploitation, sexual exploitation, trafficking, adultery, spousal violence, all of the problems that can arise in human, sexual, and family social action, interactions. And we cannot just pick one, we've got to be strong on all. And that was a wonderful statement from Foley Beach because he put things in right perspective. Yes, the pres- presenting issue is one group of churches within the Anglican world saying we can junk two thousand years of tradition and the plain words of Scripture on one issue. But when you start doing that, all the others follow.
0: No, it's true. When you make it a single issue, you become a Pharisee. You know, and I I don't want to be a Pharisee. And all this, what? Yeah, you know, we've done a hundred, a hundred. We've done eight hundred episodes. It's very difficult. To put a webcam on twice a week and talk about these issues without sounding like a Pharisee. We have to do this in love. When we start our program, before we hit the the record button, we pray for everybody we're going to talk about. We pray that we don't come off as uh, the Pharisees and the scribes uh, found in the New Testament. Because we need this to work and we need you as an audience to be informed about the topic not uh kevin and george's whims of the of the week george let's move Wait, go ahead you had something.
1: I, I was just going to say in in pastoral practice in florida we have a problem of older couples who live together for financial reasons mm-hmm. the uh, whether because if a woman marries she loses her husband's pension or social security laws and this like marriage is not, not favored in our existing retirement and pension structures. And so we have maybe a dozen out of five hundred household units or whatever like that. Now, when I would, when I was in my a young priest straight off the boat, I would wag my finger into these people, and say, "You got to get married." Well, that didn't do a darn thing. But if I treat people with love and I'm consistent in what the Christian message says, and welcome them to church, and fully engage with them, and understand where they are. You will be surprised where I've had half of these people who were living together when I first came, have since gotten married Mm -hmm. because the Spirit moved them to do the right thing. Not because I hectored them or not because I was some Pharisee talking about, oh, you're going to go to hell if you're shacking up, but rather preaching and teaching the Word of God so that it moves upon their hearts so that in their time, as God so moves them, they can live a life fully. In the power of Christ's love and in His Word,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: give it time.
0: By just pointing fingers and pointing out the obvious to us, we don't really give the Holy Spirit the the chance and opportunity here to change hearts, to draw people on to Christ, uh, to to be the the, the the essence and design of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, no, you you are absolutely right on that. Now, here here's our next story is a perfect example. Okay, there are. Bad fallen priest in every diocese, in every province, uh, whether it be ACNA, whether it be the Episcopal Church. You pick any of the 40 provinces around the world, uh, any denomination, there are bad priests. It, it happens. 44.
1: 44.
0: 44. Are we up to 44? 44. 44
1: prob- with, with Brazil, yeah. and, uh, Miguel Ochoa's Brazil, and mm. Mozambique and Angola. and okay. It keeps popping up. Forty-four. Okay. We're up to now.
0: You look at any of the forty-four uh, uh, GAFCON Anglican uh, provinces around the world. Any Roman Catholic, any uh, anywhere, anywhere, there are bad priests. And so, when we point out a Church of England bad priest here, which is quite the story, don't, don't <laughs> when you hear the story, you say, "Well, of course, you had a report on that." We're not trying to just focus on Church of England. You would find this uh, a broken priest anywhere, not to this extent. George but you know uh, I watch Breaking Bad, crystal meth is a thing it happens oh
1: my goodness this is a story that the press in England just love there is a vicar named David Renshu, and Renshue was in the Diocese of Chichester which is in the south central southeast of England and he has just been jailed for four years for child Or downloading having over 20,000 images of child pornography. Well he got caught because he was on one of these web file sharing servers that was based in New Zealand sharing child porn and the New Zealand authorities alerted the English police and the English police alerted the Sussex police and they zeroed in and they raided this guy's home and then they looked at his social media. Well Father Renshu on social media bragged about being a meth-smoking, engages in bestiality, enjoys sodomy, enjoys sadism, and is a Satan worshiper. He's also a licensed priest of the Church of England, who, after his arrest, was placed on the list of English clergy who are safe to have in your parish. A little bit of a foul up there and he's been and they didn't charge him with animal cruelty or anything but when they went into his vicarage they found dead animals tortured animals i hate to say it kevin but there's as much indication of mental illness in this fellow oh sure well i mean uh if you do have a if you do have a underlying mental issue and you start smoking uh crack or crystal meth it's going to just take you out there and destroy your brain and where was his bishop where was his archdeacon where was the rural dean where were the wardens of the church to say well you know all these decapitated cats lying around the rectory Uh, why did nobody say anything why did it take police in new zealand to catch this guy
0: and that's it how did how did we get here we we as christians we live in a uh, a world where we're supposed to encourage each other meet one another uh and have constant communication with other Christians, so that there can be accountability. There can be an ability to draw people closer in in their faith and walk. And all of a sudden, you you see this type of story. And no, you will not find this type of priest in the Episcopal Church in Canada, in Gafcon, and around the world. This is an exception, but you will certainly find fallen priests. And this is... Yeah, go ahead let
1: me read you what uh the the sussex police posted a statement after his conviction and detective sergeant david rhodes said through painstaking and careful inquiries we were able to show that the child abuse images were on his computer saved under his username and found on the hard drive on his desk the searcher's address was one of the most revolting tasks our officers will ever have to endure as well as malnourished living animals there was a dead rotting kitten and a dead rotting rat in the floor in addition to used needles and other drug paraphernalia lying around, it was a deeply unpleasant scene to search." This is not a case of, you know, some poor priest being accused by some crazy woman in the congregation. This is a case that just so screams of the need for intervention, spiritual intervention, psychiatric intervention, police intervention. Where were the grown-ups in the diocese, in the parish? Um, Kevin, when I go crazy, and I think I am gonna go one day, I hope somebody has the ability to call the bishop and say, you know, dear bishop, Father George is just going round the bend. Check it out. Um, not quite yet, but check him out. Uh,
0: it's- yeah, I, I put the microphone here on mute because there's a plane going right overhead. So sorry about that. And And this is where it's a breakdown in the Christian community. It, yeah, there's yeah. no
1: love it, it's, not, it's not there's no love for this man who's obviously going through some sort of mental or spiritual he could be satanically possessed he could, I don't know what's going on but there was no love in the people around him he's married and has children and what? there was no love oh, of anybody to reach out and say hey wait a second what's going on here instead we live in a world where don't ask don't tell don't look don't get involved and that's just where it winds up this guy's life is over he's in jail for 4 years and oh it also he tried to commit suicide after he was arrested i mean
0: well here's why i want to correct you his life is not over because we have an you know an opportunity to repent and to sure. uh, to You're to dry. come back and to uh, to to find the righteous way out of this and here i have a a a, uh, a priest in prison i'm going to be praying for you know what a mess uh, uh who's responsible a lot of people are responsible um uh, most of all satan and uh we would hope uh that here we have an example of another redeemable situation in the kingdom but i can't redeem it only god can so but let's uh let's keep that in our prayers oh boy next news story this is a big one uh somebody has been waiting about 70 years for it to happen but it's coronation saturday over in england where they're going to coronate king charles and it's going to be interesting because the church of england plays a large role in this uh um coronation and uh, uh they just recently put out the liturgy looked okay to me uh but we should talk about it because uh if it goes bad, it reflects poorly on the Anglicans. If it goes well, whew, dodged a bullet. So <laughs> what's going on, George? This
1: this is a hard one to talk about because it's none of our darn business.
0: No, we don't yeah. Uh
1: yeah. this is this is not. Uh Charles is already king. Mm -hmm. the coronation is the religious ceremony where god's blessing and anointing takes place so that's why it's a church-run service it's not akin to the president swearing in or anything like that he's already king
0: right well no the the last heartbeat of queen elizabeth was his first heartbeat as a king okay yeah that's how it works
1: now now uh very me- a number of our friends in England have sent me snapshots of the liturgy. We've posted the liturgy on Anglican Inc. And it was written in by the Archbishop of Canterbury in consultation with Lambeth Palace and using historical sources. And, and it's got some, I, I would call it twee. I, it's a word I don't use very often, but there's just a sense of, oh, I. From an aesthetic point of view, it is not something I care for. The church that gave us the book of the beautiful cadences of the Book of Common Prayer, this is not one of the best outings for them. And there are a few questionable parts where, you know, the gospel imperative to make sure, every, make sure that mo- Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus and Jews can worship freely in England no, the gospel no. imperative is to proclaim the good news of Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Christ to make nations make <laughs> believers out of all nations. Okay, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to be nice trying to do all this and that. but Welby, again, just Welby seems just whatever he puts his finger into, there's these little foolish self- own goals. One, Welby put in this little bit where you, you Brits all swear allegiance to your king.
0: A loyalty oath? They have a loyalty oath?
1: Loyalty oath, loyalty oath. And this has caused a bit of a ruckus. So now uh, Buckingham Palace has basically said it wasn't us, it was Justin Welby, and it's only a suggestion you don't have to do it. And recent polls say a majority of Britons think it's a bad idea to have a loyalty oath to Charles, their liege lord. Uh, You know, again, Nothing to do with us, nothing to do with the Anglican world, but Justin, you just need better staff, or you just need somebody to look over your homework before you turn it in.
0: Well, no, here's the sad thing, I bet people, this has been in front of dozens of eyes on both sides of Lambeth Palace and uh, uh, Buckingham Palace, but, you know, I, I, I don't want to nitpick it. It's interesting what we're willing to do to coordinate a king, so... But the whole history of Anglicanism is under the fundamental principle and understanding that there will be a royalty, and there will be kingship, and and, uh, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a great spectacle too, George.
1: Not really. Um, I think the funeral is as good as it's going to get. It's going to be downhill.
0: Absolutely. That was the greatest testimony of the gospel, uh, bar none, displayed to millions if not billions of people around the world you'll never do better than queen elizabeth than that
1: when when i when my wife and i and our infant children moved to england that was to, to do graduate work that was the start of tony blair's cool britannia we actually moved to england the week queen uh, uh princess diana died in a car crash right and that Tony Blair People's Princess stuff. That mantra is basically there so that, you know, looking at the British newspapers about who's invited and who's not invited, um, basically third-tier television types uh, and Jill Biden. And, <laughs> uh, it's it's a crowd that doesn't really speak to the grandeur of what once was Britain. It's, you know oh my but again who am i to even offer a, a meaningful opinion on who they have for their guest list it's just not an impressive crowd of people
0: yeah but uh, you started off this is you know uh this we should have an opinion that of our business uh we, we as colonists uh, americans over here are offering our our fondest uh appreciation of uh, king charles and we do wish him well uh long live well, king I, <laughs> yes. one of
1: my one of my ancestors had to leave england in rather a bit of a hurry uh in the 1660s because he had voted to execute uh charles the first uh <laughs> no. and had to flee the united states when the monarchy was restored that was just one ancestor so maybe i have a republican prejudice in my bones from
0: maybe Gene, now Gene i did read that there's going to be a sermon at this coronation uh first time ever yes uh, first time
1: since 1833 1833? When, william, when 1833 when william the second third fourth whatever uh, uh, george the fourth's uh younger brother george yeah george the fourth's younger brother was crowned king they're having a sermon mm-hmm. so justin i don't know has he farmed this one out to michael curry again uh,
0: i would love to see michael curry preach on this yes
1: so let's see what we get uh you know maybe justin will knock it out of the park and proclaim the good news of jesus christ and how you know tr- and we'll tell charles his job is to protect the protestant uh, faith uh, established in england or maybe he'll talk about the need for wheelchair access to buckingham palace and mosquito nets and balmoral and you know who knows
0: I will be praying for him because this is a great opportunity uh, to to be a witness to the gospel. Uh, Archbishop of Canterbury Justin Welby. So I will be praying with you the day of coron- praying with you and for you on the day of coronation. Okay, it's been uh, a couple weeks now since Gafcon. We should talk more about the follow up and uh, you know certainly our last episode was the go to episode about what happened. Uh, Behind the scenes at GAFCON, let's talk about some of the follow-up that's going on as far as notes we're getting, what we're seeing on Facebook and around the world, George.
1: Well, we need to remember that there is not really a central administrative apparatus. There's not a brain behind this. GAFCON and Global South are sort of organic organisms Mm -hmm. connected to each other. So there's not one person or one thing that determines what's happening. But what we are seeing is we're seeing very strong patterns. As people have returned home, those who are attending GAFCON have been near unanimous in their praise of the spiritual, the uh, joyful aspects of this. Uh, I've asked for comments to write some articles on some social media groups I'm part of, and people who weren't in GAFCON have written back very, speaking very strongly against it. some of them wanted action, action now. They wanted a hard kick at Justin Welby. They wanted him to be uh, shamed, if you will. And what there's the disconnect there is that GAFCON basically doesn't care about Welby. I mean, well, they're not going to fight with him anymore. They're going to do what they're going to do. Well, so I, Welby I, I would say is the bigger. The
0: yeah, excuse me one second, but the bigger uh, problem here is Welby already. Shamed himself. The Church of England already, uh, as far as a province, has shamed itself. Everybody has come out against what they did Roman Catholic, Protestant, uh, Anglican. It's not, if Gafcon says it, it's just repeating what other people have said, George.
1: And so that, but there's been no pushback, no successful pushback. Mm -hmm. The only liberal pushback we're seeing are op eds and social media posts that try to pick apart. Uh, Foley Beach for Foley Beach saying that we need to you know and the that portion of the uh, Kigali commitment which is we need to love and support uh, all people gays and lesbians not pick on them and this and that and how they're picking on it is looking at the Church of Uganda situation where Uganda has the Parliament passed by a 99% majority this bill uh, new law toughening their sodomy laws and So something that was not part of GAFCON, that one of its churches did or didn't do, because you need to have a much deeper understanding of the intricacies of Ugandan politics to understand where the church of Uganda is on this. Mm -hmm. They are picking on something that, they're picking on a straw man that wasn't part of GAFCON to criticize GAFCON, which those who were there thinking, "God, God, these people don't know what they're talking about. But that doesn't stop liberals. They, they, they pick on something, uh, whether it's Donald Trump and tiki torches in Charlottesville, Virginia, or whatever. Um, they just run, run with it. <clears throat> Other than that, there's no pushback. There's no defense. Welby gave a defense, and Welby's man Anthony Pogo gave a little defense at a speech at Virginia Seminary. But the train has already left the station. Yeah. Some of the, some of the. Per- Gavin Ashton had a nice little article which we printed saying, uh, not so fast, there needs to be these constitutional canonical reforms to achieve what you want. That's true. And some of the Asian nations will dot the I's and cross the T's and take two or three years to remove reference to the Sea of Canterbury in their constitutions. Out. Then there'll be African nations who will say, We're out now and we'll fix the paperwork as we go along. Right. See, not everybody worships the letter of the law as do the english uh just think of it uh, as like the italians it may be against the law you know, you're supposed to pay your taxes but
0: yeah well <laughs> we'll change a lot.
1: yeah uh, so the the what else is happening well there's talk at the senior levels of well we really should write a letter to the dicastery at the vatican saying uh when you want to talk to anglicans remember you're not talking to Anglicans when you talk to Welby and the Arctic people, because that represents only 15% of the Anglican world. When we talk, and so there's, it's starting on the local national, say the Nigerian anglican catholic dialogue. There are going to be all these changes, and it will take time. And because there's no central bureaucracy to organize all this, it'll be on an ad hoc basis. But we're seeing a shifting of Anglicanism. And it will culminate at Cairo next uh, October 2024 or May 2024. In 2024, at the next Global South Anglican uh, Conference, because they're the ones now fighting the political battle, while GAFCON is fighting the mission and evangelism battle. So we are on that trajectory. And Welby is, as they say, in movie land, a dead man walking.
0: It took 800 episodes for uh, Canterbury to finally abdicate the role of leadership uh, in the Anglican Communion. And for that Mm. finally to change over to now where the Global South says, yes, we're going to fight this politically. We're going to take it to Welby's doorstep and we will not say no. And uh, for Gaff kind of say, you know, we do politics okay, but we do evangelism better, and we're, we're going to take that new role. It took 800 episodes. I'm assuming the next 200 it, episodes that, you know, it's it's a new communion.
1: And part of the problem is that there's some parachurch organizations of ancient lineage that are firmly in the liberal camp. The USPG, mm-hmm. uh, United Society for Propagation of the Gospel, one of the two great along with the CMS mission societies, is led by a man firmly in the gay camp. And USPG supports churches in Central Africa and West Africa and whatnot. Uh, Their mission partners aren't pro-gay, it's just the staff is, and the man at the top. And so GAFCON either is going to recreate the USPG or something of that nature, but they basically have to go through the cleansing and the purging and basically there will come the point when the clients of the USPG, it from in ghana in uh, zambia in madagascar will say look uh you either need to be on the same page as us or we'll treat you like we treat the danish uh uh charity aids you know you're a nice secular group that sends us money to to do stuff that takes time it takes time to unwind and unravel the uh anglo-centric entities it takes time to wean yourself off the money sent to you by trinity wall street to start your university but benjamin uh laurent mabanda uh, had a sermon saying you know at uh, gafcon saying We've got to break free and we've got to be independent because otherwise we are at the beck and call of whatever comes down the Westerner's pike. So those who don't understand the situation in Africa, the reason why the Ugandans are so exercised on the gay issue, it's been against the law for since British colonial days and no one has ever been punished for this and no one will be punished in the new laws. That's just the way it is. They have laws that nobody pays any attention to. They're mad that the US State Department and the British Foreign and Commonwealth Office and the European Union are saying, if you want money, you have to have Pride Month. You have to have mommy, Heather has two mommies in your public schools. You have to be pro-abortion. You have to allow transgender surgeries for five-year-olds. This colonialism of the West, now on liberal uh, sexual and anthropology issues, is causing the backlash. And the best way that the Ugandans can vocalize it is by uh, sacrificing the sacred cow of homosexuality uh, just to get the goat of the West. Does it mean people would be persecuted? Not any more than they are now. People shouldn't be persecuted, but there's nothing new happening. But the buffoons in the West who wanna get all worked up about stuff and get all upset, they don't appreciate this or understand this.
0: Yeah, and
1: so it pay was no attention to them. They have no clue what they're talking about.
0: And the the world uh, is not asking Uganda to be uh, neutral, not have a law. They're asking. They're demanding Uganda to be pro. You need to be pro game. Yeah. And and the other thing that people need to remember is that
1: Russia and China are not sitting still in all this. Hmm. While the United States has walked off of the world stage. Right now, the civil war in Sudan, for instance, is a proxy war between Russia and China, because the Russians back the uh, I, I'll confuse who they back, but there's the Sudanese army who are Arab Muslim Sudanese, and Correct. then there's the the uh, militia, which was the former junjui, the Darfur militants, who are mostly All black Islam. Muslim yep. so it's Muslims versus Muslims, Arabs, but it's one group is mostly Arabs, the other group is mostly Africans. And China's backing one, Russia is backing the other. And what's the prize? The oil fields in South Sudan, southern part of the Republic of Sudan. And, you know, in the good old days, when Britain and America and France could sort of make sure these things didn't get out of hand, well, we don't do that anymore. It's the same thing with the Anglican world. We've got, you know, uh, we had an article in Anglican Inc. where South Korea uh, is doing more, you know, is building stuff in Uganda. And the, that, you know, global south to global south link is getting deeper and deeper because so much of what the West is now saying comes with these strings attached.
0: Oh, well, you mentioned Sudan. That's going to be our next topic. And the, the topic is bad because now people are leaving Sudan because of the war. The war is getting worse. It's obviously... Uh, as you described it, um, uh, the army versus the, uh, uh, I don't what, what would you call the uh, agitators in, in this? Uh,
1: you would call them sort of a National Guard. Yeah. The regular the- army versus a National Guard. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing is that the, the last time, when there was the military, the Sudanese armed forces overthrew the civilian government. Sudanese armed forces backs the former Muslim dictator, uh, Omar al-Bashir. And Bashir may be brought back into power by, if the army wins. Now, the Darfur Muslims don't really like Bashir because he tried to murder them all. But bygones be bygones. Uh, and everybody murders the Christians when they get a chance. That's, that's a given in this situation. The uh, cathedral in Khartoum has been shot up. And the Archbishop, uh, Ezekiel Kondo, who lives at a house in the back of the cathedral, he and his family and the cathedral Christian community have had to flee because uh, it's just civil strife. With Now, he, here's one thing you need to remember. Bullets are not cheap. Uh, Kevin, you're a gun handgun enthusiast. You know <laughs> ammunition's expensive. Very expensive, e- even in bulk. And, and they do not make great quantities of AK-47 rounds in Sudan. Well, where does all this stuff that they're shooting off into the sky and into the cathedral come from? Comes from planes from China and Russia, which are being armed, used to arm the militias and the army. And they're gonna fight it out to whoever runs out of bullets or whoever uh, gets control of the airfield so the other side can't get their stuff in. And meanwhile, the Christians will be the uh, joint target of opportunity as they fight it out for control of the spoils of Sudan.
0: No, you're right. Because if you watch footage, you will see not Ugandan-made or uh, Sudanese-made helicopters. You'll see Russian-made helicopters and Chinese-made helicopters uh, fighting it out uh, uh, over the, the streets of uh, S- the Sudan cities at Khartoum. And you're like, well, you know. Here's another war that uh, you know America could be influencing or stopping, but we're not there. One
1: of the things that you will not read in uh, the Washington Post and New York Times because they don't do it because there's no Trump angle to it is before this coup broke out, Russia signed an agreement to have ships based at Port Sudan. Russia is now going to have a naval base mm-hmm. in the in the uh, Red Sea, and this upsets the Egyptians, it upsets the Saudis, uh, it upsets the Chinese, and so part, and in the good old days, uh, Uncle Sam, or the British Lion, would say, ah, 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 you are not, you're not going to base 20 destroyers and uh, whatnot in Port Sudan, well, too late. The Russians are starting to build, uh, build, uh, build up the docks to put their ships there. So where why is this a religious story? Well, because each side seeks to profess the true Islam and one side is nastier than the other. So from a Christian perspective, the Christians hope the militia wins because the army is going to take it back to the bad old days.
0: That is very correct, sadly. Alright, so we're gonna move on to our, our our last story here. We're gonna talk about Bud Light and Dylan. Uh, here in America, we have a uh, beer. Every country has beer, but uh, we've had uh, uh, beer commercial battles for uh, decades because uh, everybody wants to sell their beer. And Bud Light has has been a champion of Super Bowls and and uh, sporting events and all that for many years. And recently, they hired uh, a transgendered influencer um, to. Promote their beer, and it, it went south. It went bad. It went really bad. Uh, I'm here in Wisconsin, and uh, when we go out to a restaurant or bar, you can't get Bud Light in Liberal, Wisconsin, in Soviet Wisconsin. You can't get a Bud Light because uh, nobody wants to be even seen carrying it. And when you when you look at the bigger picture here, the bigger picture is uh, woke has created a new glass ceiling uh-huh. um, where. The, the transgendered male uh, who thinks he's a female is venerated and, and put above all others. And the, no different here than Dylan. I know Dylan's a man because Dylan got paid more than a woman influencer would have gotten or a, a male to, or a female to male transgendered influencer was. Uh, he got paid very well because he's a he. and that's the, the new glass ceiling, George. It's crazy to watch.
1: We go to a little pizza parlor here. And for, for those who are not familiar with American beer drinking habits, nobody considers Bud Light a connoisseur of beer. It's not the champagne no. of beers. Mm-hmm. It's God,
0: that's, a,
1: that's, a, that's a tagline for another brand. Bud Light is a beer that you drink in quantity over a long period of time mm-hmm. and sporting events at when you go to the pizza parlor with your buddies to watch the game on the big screen TV and eat pizza and you drink bud light it's cheap it's a little bit watered down it's it is what it is uh and the uh new marketing director a uh, young woman straight out of Harvard uh sorry Wharton MBA what, University yeah, of Pennsylvania yeah thought that, well, we needed to modernize the brand and sort of pull it out of the identification with sort of the working man and his, his uh, pastimes and really sort of address the younger woke crowd who are not drinking Bud Light. And that was, this was a marketing mistake on par with the new Coke.
0: Uh, Okay, easily. I mean, I I mean, when you really look back and think about it, what what was what did you need to do? uh, Bud Light was a you know a consistent uh, selling beer, and you have completely wiped that out because you had to push an agenda, and that agenda is not accepted by your drinking brand at all. Your demographic doesn't want to see agendas like that.
1: If you if you remember the Bud Light commercials before this, the old marketing manager for Bud Light, mm-hmm. he ran a series of commercials of sort of a medieval court where everybody is drinking Bud Light and somebody comes and said, uh, you're, uh, and uh, the jester comes and offers, or the, the wine steward, your majesty, would you like a double refined That's mead, a- <laughs> you know, craft beer and everybody laughs and it's off with his head, let's all drink Bud Light. In other words, the point being Bud Light is not for your craft beer aficionados, not for your real ale people. They laugh at that junk, Mm -hmm. they just want volume. And they went from that marketing campaign to having a man who thinks he's a woman squeal in delight that he's been given a can with his picture on it with his hair styled like he's aubrey hepburn in uh, yes. well, uh practice y- with tiffany's
0: you've 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 shown me that all it takes to be a woman is to mimic a woman uh right. there is nothing about dylan nothing zilch that is a woman except he knows how to min- mimic and i think he's largely if you met his mom mimicking his mom you know, do women take baths all day long and talk about beer? No, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, however, he's an influencer, and uh, Bud Light thought that they could uh, uh, you know, hire this uh, man to promote Bud Light. Bud Light is now dead in remember, the water. But remember, this is yeah. this
1: is a guy. Before all this happened, he was in the chorus of a number of Broadway shows. Yeah. This is a fifth string Broadway actor who. Starts dressing up as a woman, and he finds the perfect advertising gig. He now is a spokesman for a sports bra, man. and I think Maybelline. for Nike women's uh, maybe uh, women's running shoes. And yeah. how can a man be a spokesman for a sports bra? I mean, he he hasn't had surgery to need a sports bra. I mean, well,
0: well I which to proves to me that the sports bra is not good enough for women. It can, if only a man could wear it. But, um, but here, we're in this age where Bud Light can't back down. The, you, if they back down, the, 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 the fight would be worse from the left. The left would cancel. Yeah, they're, they're as close to cancel as you can be, but they back down now, they'll be fully canceled. And it just it's so strange, George. I, this is not the, the world I remember in the 80s. Transgenitors that was on nobody's radar. And now uh, you're in peril if you, if you are not willing to speak up to it, know about it, and have a voice in this as a church person, as a Christian, as a leader. Yeah.
1: Let, let me sort of expand the topic, because it's the same general thing. If you remember in 2018, Tucker, Tucker Carlson's TV show, which at that time was the most highly rated cable news show in 2018, Okay. He did this story on illegal immigration, and the woke crowd began this campaign to get major corporations to pull their ads from it. I and over the next few years, Toyota, Ancestry.com, all the people who basically, you know, uh, all the, the pharmaceutical companies, all stopped advertising on Tucker Carlson's show. So until recently, he had basically what we call second or third tier people. Uh, MyPillow, uh, My relief pillow, relief <laughs>
0: factor.
1: Um, people who didn't have to pay, Tucker, you know, the left tried to squeeze him out by basically destroying his revenue stream from advertising. And the result was that corporations would pull their ads from a show that had 4 million viewers and put them on MSNBC with a quarter of a million, paying more for the quarter of a million MSNBC viewers than for the four million uh tucker carlson viewers for politics corporate america like and here bud white bud light is the latest is in thrall to a political agenda yeah that the good old days of uh you know the 1960s where business was identified with republicans that has been dead for 50
0: years yeah. In fact, Republicanism here in America is no longer the rich party. Democrats are the party of the money and uh, full the millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, it, those, those old mantras and those old, uh, uh, you know, identity schemes no longer apply. And boy, yeah, if you're going to go down the road of transgenderism and support it, you can't back down. You are stuck there, which I like. I mean I'm glad they'll cancel somebody for for trying to cancel them. I'm Kevin Carlson.
1: And I'm George Conger. And you've been watching episode 801 of Anglican Unscripted.